welcome to episode 62 of the Movie Marathoners podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today is my girlfriend, Dana Nyland. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Thank you so much for joining me. How's your weekend been? Thank you so much for having me. Um, My weekend has been good. Um, I got to see an old friend, got to spend some time outside. I had a really good smoothie, so can't complain. Good. That's good to hear. It's nice to finally have an in-person guest again. Um, We've been spending a lot of time together in quarantine, and one of our go-to activities while being stuck inside has been watching hours upon hours of television. So all of that groundwork is finally being put to use this week because we will be talking about our predictions for the 2020 Emmys. The ceremony, which I'm presuming is going to be hosted virtually, will air the Sunday after this episode has been released, so on September 20th. So what we'll be doing is going through the nominees for Best Drama, Best Comedy, and Best Limited Series slash Television Movie or whatever, um, as well as all the acting nominees for all three categories. And we'll also give our predictions for who we think is taking home the award in each category Sunday night. Uh, We'll also be talking about some snubs. Dana, I know you have a soapbox lined up here to get on, so I'll give you plenty of time to do that. And we'll also talk about who we think we want to personally win each category regardless of whether we think that they'll actually pull it off. So with all of that, uh, we'll be keeping things relatively spoiler-free, but obviously to talk about these shows and performances in any meaningful way, we may be giving away some plot points or whatever, so consider this a light spoiler warning going forward. I'll put some times in the show notes if we do get on a really big spoiler tangent. And as a final note, we should say that although we have tried to watch as many of these shows as we could, we didn't watch every single one, So we can only really talk about those that we did watch, which we will be sure to state at the start of each conversation. And then on a second final note, I'll just quickly say that we will be skipping the point two section this week because this is basically all that we've been watching. So let's get started by talking about the nominees for the limited series and television movie category. So for each category, we'll start with supporting actor, then go to actress, then go to best actor, then go to best actress, and then we'll conclude with the best overall show. So, with that being said, here are the nominees for Supporting Actor in a Limited Series or Television Movie. We have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II from Watchmen, Jovan Adepo from Watchmen, Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy vs. the Reverend, Louis Gossett Jr. from Watchmen, Dylan McDermott from Hollywood, and Jim Parsons from Hollywood. So three out of the six of these nominees are from Watchmen. Dana, I will throw to you first... Well, why don't we start with just overall thoughts on this category? Yeah. So something interesting that I realized while I was thinking about this category is that in the past several years, there's often been a show with three nominations in this category, like there like there are this year for Watchmen. So those were coming from When They See Us and then also from both seasons of American Crime Story. And that made me wonder about the odds for any of the Watchmen actors winning, because in all those past years, none of the actors who got nominated from those sets of three nominations won. And that was occurring because of sort of like a vote splitting situation from the Voting Academy. And I hadn't really thought about the dynamics of how that would go down. So I was researching how the voting works. So basically, until 2015, the Emmys were decided by a small voting panel and there was a push to democratize the process. And they implemented a popular vote that actually used ranked choice voting, which I do support in the use of in American politics, but maybe didn't work so well in the Emmy voting because basically all the awards went to repeat winners and there was a Game of Thrones bonanza. And it 
the general consensus was that it made it harder for a new standout performance to gain traction because basically if you have a show like Game of Thrones that pretty much everyone watches, you can count on getting, if not a first place vote, to be more likely to get a third place vote. And then a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, those votes are adding up in such a way that people from the just the more well-known shows would win. So they took away the ranked choice voting and now it's just a sort of one voter, one vote scenario. But I do still think because of that, it might make it harder for a category where multiple people were nominated for the same show because it will result in a greater likelihood of votes being split. So I think that that is an interesting thing at play here where you have three amazing actors nominated for Watchmen, but I don't know about their odds. I mean, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. But with that, doesn't that mean that Watchmen and both Hollywood have really unlikely chances of winning, and so it's probably going to be Titus Burgess? Is that what you're suggesting? It could be, but ultimately that's not the way that I swung for my prediction. All right, so what's your prediction? So my prediction, based on virtually nothing because I have (laughs) not watched Hollywood, is that Jim Parsons will win this category. Um, I feel that as though voters love Jim Parsons, um, he, I feel like he always won for Big Bang Theory, um, which, you know, I'm fine with him, but you know, I, I'm not going on much here, but again, I don't, I do think that the three nominees in the Watchmen category might be harder to overcome than just the two split for Hollywood. That makes sense. But I do think that Watchmen just is kind of the show of the moment. We don't often get shows that are culturally relevant and big in any meaningful way except for you know with the rare exception like uh, game of thrones and but this watchman the the critical success around watchman the talk about watchman reminds me very much of fleabag mm-hmm. from last year and this kind of is the closest thing that we have to a fleabag this year especially because more and more each year uh, tv watching is just getting more and more divided and right. kind of separated into niches so I mean, I guess maybe this is me showing my hand and how well I think Watchmen is going to do. But my prediction is that I do think that Yahya Abdul-Mateen II will be winning this category. I think of the three Watchmen performances, I think he is the most interesting personally. He also happens to be my personal favorite. He is my vote um, if I were allowed to vote. And I just, I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't, again, I don't know anything about Hollywood. I guess we should say that Dana, you've watched Watchmen and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, correct or no? Well, I didn't. I didn't watch Kimmy versus the Reverend. I, I've seen. I've watched part of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the sh- Schmidt, the show, <laughs> the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the TV show version. But I have not seen the movie. I think I might have seen the end of it with you because you might have been rewatching it while I was there. But mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. Okay, yeah. So neither of us have seen Hollywood. We've both watched Watchmen, and I have seen. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy versus the Reverend. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I just I just don't see this category. The best supporting actor, three very talented African American performers from Watchmen. It would be bizarre if they don't win in this category. And for example, like Jeremy Irons wins for best lead actor. I just mm-hmm. feel like one of the Watchmen people is going to win. My money's on Yaya, but I don't actually know if that's true at all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. And I think that if if the voting body were still, you know, more of a panel situation, I would have a lot more confidence that that would be the case. But because of the lack of control of having so many people casting votes, I don't know. I do. I did also pick Yaya as my fave to win. If you haven't seen the video of him finding out he got nominated, I would definitely recommend Googling that, even if you didn't watch the show, because it's just 
something to smile about even for 30 seconds because it's so adorable when he finds out that he got nominated for an Emmy. Um, And it's really hard to talk about why this performance is great without giving away spoilers. So it's like hard to really navigate that. But I I do think that he did an amazing job and I, I do hope to see him win. Yeah, it's funny because he basically does nothing of importance for the first seven episodes yeah. of this nine episode show. But then when he starts to do things, I think the show really leans on him, mm-hmm. especially with some of the more emotional aspects in the uh, climax. So I think it would be a great win. Um, I wouldn't be upset if Lewis Gossett Jr. won. I think he's great, too. But mm-hmm. I just think that, yeah, yeah, he's an up and comer. He looks awesome on the show. Like he has this very welcoming screen presence as well, I find. So I, I really hope good things, nothing but good things for Yaya. Are there any snubs in this category that you want to mention before moving on? Um, Ultimately, I don't care, but it is interesting to me that <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson didn't get nominated. I just kind of assumed he would because he's one of those just names that you would think mm-hmm. attached to this. But again, that's fine. I am sad. No nom for John Slattery in Mrs. America. Okay. I am an unabashed John Slattery fangirl and think that he should be recognized for all that he does. Okay. I mean, I don't think I'd replace any of these people. But again, I haven't seen Hollywood. So if we want to replace one of those people with John Slattery, that's fine. I think he is great in that. But that's obviously not his show. um, And he really doesn't have a ton to do. So, all right, let's move on to Best Supporting Actress in a limited series slash television movie. The nominees are Uzo Aduba from Miss America. Tony Collette from Unbelievable, Margot Martindale from Miss America, Gene Smart from Watchmen, Holland Taylor from Hollywood, and Tracy Ullman from Miss America. So Dana, which of these shows have you seen? So in this category, I have seen Mrs. America. Mati, you and I have watched a little of Unbelievable. We've only seen one episode now with Tony Collette being introduced. So. Yeah, well, and it was literally, yeah. intro- she was introduced so, in the last two minutes of um, the episode. But we're, we're working on that. And um, we've, as we mentioned, we've seen Watchmen. So so the only show we've seen none of here is is Hollywood. So we can't really speak to Holland Taylor's performance. Yeah, well, spoiler alert, I did not pick her for my prediction or my personal favorite. Neither did I. All right, Dana, what did you predict for the best supporting actress? So I, I struggled a little bit to think of how this will go. I ultimately went with Jean Smart, and I can't offer too much of a rationale of why, but sort of for similar reasons above, I think that the Mrs. America team might split things up. And then, again, maybe it's just because I can't speak that much to Tony Collette and Holland Taylor's performance, and so I was left with Jean Smart. But I do think that formulaically it makes sense for her to win, and I do think that she is she is great in Watchmen, and she's really fun to watch. Her character isn't that huge, but I do think that she's a she's an interesting presence and, and a fun dynamic character. Yeah, I that's also my prediction. I think she's a great character. Um she plays a very hardened and jaded character, in my opinion. And that can often be unfun to root for. It mm-hmm. can kind of be like, oh, I don't want to root for the person that's always just pissy. But I thought that she actually did a great job of bringing kind of a vulnerability to the character that really humanizes her. She feels like a real character. I think she also has a good level of sass and like detective spunk yeah. <laughs> um, that makes her badass without also like going too far and being annoying. So I think it's a really good character. I think Jean Smart is great. She's always great. I think a lot of the actors in this um, category are just kind of reliably great. It's actually surprising that a lot of them are on the older side. There's no like mm-hmm. Yohavan Adepo who's brand new. Um, yeah. So 
But yeah, I mean, so, okay, how about what's your personal favorite then? Is your personal favorite also Gene Smart? No, my personal favorite in this Wait, can I guess? Yes. I'm thinking it's Margot Martindale. Of course it's Margot Martindale <laughs> for her incredibly nuanced performance as um, Bella Abzug in Mrs. America. So she plays a, a a congresswoman and she it's a really interesting character to me because she used to be at the forefront of this progressive movement mm-hmm. and now she's older and she's sort of watching this younger generation take over. And the role to me just feels so realized and you really feel empathy for this person who has has sort of lost something that they they used to have this sort of deep political ambition and now they've become more of a pragmatist. And it's really interesting to watch how that plays out emotionally within her character. And I think that you, when you're watching it, you feel like you've, you've seen this whole life of this person unfold, even though you're only seeing a snippet of it because you feel like you knew who she was and who she is now. Completely agree. I think that's an amazing performance. Um, I really like how you put that. That's uh, similar to what I said when I was talking about this show and I recommended it in a previous podcast to my guest, I believe it was Colby. Um, yeah, she's great. She is not my personal favorite. No. Do you want to know who, or like, do you want to guess who my personal favorite is? Um, uh, Uzo Aduba, of course. Okay. BU Swag. Yep, correct. So Uzo Aduba, I have to pick her. Uh, she went to BU, Boston University, and she ran track for Boston University. So I have met her several times. Uh, She's super nice. She's like one of the only celebrities, I guess, that I've met. And it was like one of the highlights of my college career. And um, just everybody that I know, like I, my coach coached her and he had nothing but positive things to say about her. And since then, you know, I can't not root for her. But I also think that her performance in Miss America, while it's not one of the forefront um, performances. And I think there's a version of the Miss America show that is just about Uzo Aduba. Oh, for sure. In the same way that there's like a version of Miss America that's about every single one of those categories, even the Tracy Ullman category, Mm -hmm. especially the Margot Martindale category. So I do think that Uzo gets a little bit uh, shafted on the show, but I think what she's given, she does a really good job at being a part of the women's movement, but also very clearly being a little bit outside of it as a black woman. And I think that that's really a really important perspective to see. And I think she does a great job as always. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I will also be very happy if she wins. Definitely well earned. Yeah. Do you have anybody who you like wouldn't be happy about? Um, I mean, I guess I'd be kind of bored of Holland Taylor Woods <laughs> because I famously have not seen Hollywood. Um, but other than that, no, I'm not that impassioned about this category. Yeah, I feel bad for not getting to see Tony Collette. The the two minutes that we saw of her, she was a badass in it, but um you know. Yeah, and I mean, she's she's a pretty pretty consistent lock. I feel like she yeah. doesn't miss. Yeah, she's always good. Do you have any snubs here? Um, I had no snubs in this category, which isn't exhaustive. You know, I could be could be forgetting something. So, but none that immediately came to mind. Yeah, same here. So let's go ahead and move on to best lead actor in a limited series slash television movie. We've got Jeremy Irons from Watchmen, Hugh Jackman from Bad Education, Paul Mescal from Normal People, Jeremy Pope from Hollywood. And Mark Ruffalo from I Know This Much Is True. All right, Dana, which of these have we seen? We have seen Watchmen, which we've firmly established. <laughs> People are probably tired of hearing us say it. We have seen Bad Education. I have seen about half of Normal People. And we have not seen Hollywood. 
<laughs> and we have not seen any of I Know This Much Is True. Yeah, In I fact, that it, was kind of like... Yeah, we really porn. struggled to remember the name of it. And I feel like every time Mati says the name of the show, he just substitutes a random phrase in. But I do know <laughs> that he is referring to the HBO show featuring Mark Ruffalo. And Mark Ruffalo. He plays twins. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what's your prediction for best lead actor? Why don't you go first? Oh, for why, thank you. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I'm just trying to be generous and give the guest. I appreciate Okay. So my prediction, I don't really know why, but I do feel like Hollywood has got to give <laughs> a show about Hollywood something at this award ceremony. And this seems like a good place for it. Um, I have no idea who Jeremy Pope is. I have no idea what he looks like. I was going to say, I I could not tell you a single thing about him. Yeah, I literally have no idea what he looks like. But this category, in my opinion, is incredibly weak. There's no like lead must cast person, especially because Jeremy Irons is probably like the seventh most interesting person in Watchmen, (laughs) which is not an insult to Jeremy Irons. It's just that show is that good. Um, But, I, you know, I I think that I might as well just vote for Hollywood here because I think it has to win something somewhere. Yeah, I I understand the logic. Again, I, I can't really comment on it. Um, <laughs> I also didn't really realize how much it would come up that we haven't seen Hollywood. But yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I went with a little bit of a wild card in a sort of similar but also different way. And my prediction for this category is actually Paul Mescal. I'm yeah. not 100% sure that that is how you say his name, even though, again, I have seen half of the show. Um, yeah, because normal- shows famously just tell you how to pronounce the yeah. name of all the <laughs> um, actors. So... Normal People, you know, it didn't get a lot of nominations, but, you know, critically, it was pretty well received. The The book that it's based on is very of the moment. I think that people people really are kind of like latching on to Paul Mescal as a sort of emerging celebrity right now. Like he has like a lot of kind of, um, you know, Internet thirst going for him. And I think that he might be, you know, on the on the rise as a, as a coming star. And I think that, you know, the the Emmy voting body might want to be you know, on the ground floor of this. And I can see a scenario where he pulls this out. So that is my prediction for this category. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen normal people, so I have no idea. Um, I've heard great things about it. I've also been told from a valid source that I would not like the show. So I have not it watched me. it. Yep. Uh, okay. So why don't we just go to personal favorite? I believe I can confidently say we're going to have the same personal favorite. Yeah. It's Hugh Jackman. It is. Um, I think he's very, very good in bad education, but I don't feel like the film made a big enough splash. And for some reason, Hollywood loves not giving Hugh Jackman awards for things that he deserves <laughs> awards for. So I think that tradition is going to stay. Is he, does he have like any shot at EGOT? I feel like he should be an EGOT contender. I, I don't know. Did he get stuff for Les Mis or the No, I mean, he shouldn't have gotten anything circus? for Les Mis. He just has like an EGOT vibe. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Hugh Jackman in a lot of ways is just coasting off being incredibly charming and incredibly fun to be around and incredibly wolverine yeah yeah so i mean like he's not the best singer i think he's like the worst singer in that movie about the circus but the i think the greatest showman thank you but i think that the the songs in that are fantastic and it's just fun to have hugh jackman at the center of that same with bad education he does a fantastic job in it i would love to give him this award but i for some reason i just don't think he's going to yeah, I tried to run some, you know, star power names in my head for if you were going to put a different Hugh Jackman level actor in this role. And I can't think of anyone who would have fit it as well as he did. I think it's a really good casting. 
Um, and he, he just so well plays the type of person who just like oozes charisma, but the kind where you know that if you met him, you would know that he's not treating you specially and he's that way with everyone, but you would still love it like when he smiles at you or laughs at your joke. Yep. And it, he just does that so well. Um, I do, I do, will just add, I did say, I think that Jeremy Irons was hilarious in Watchmen, but it's bizarre to me that he was nominated in the lead actor category, which you kind of alluded to. He just, he's just not, to me, a main character. Um, and I know that it's not always like screen time is not, you know, the be all end all of how, you know, things shake out for who's a lead actor. But, but I do, I do think that that was sort of who I was deciding between ultimately was Hugh Jackman and Jeremy Irons. But at the end of the day, you know, Hugh Jackman is so much more of bad education than Jeremy Irons is of Watchmen. Yep, for sure. Uh, any snubs? No snubs in this category for me. All right. So let's move on to the last acting category for limited series and television movie. We've got Best Actress, Kate Blanchett for Miss America, Shira Haas for Unorthodox, Regina King for Watchmen, Octavia Spencer for Self Made, and Carrie Washington for Little Flyers Everywhere. Did you do that on purpose? I did do that on purpose. Okay. You can't always tell because I'm terrible at speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is definitely a war between Kate Blanchett and Regina King. There may be one other scenario that we can talk about in a second, but I really don't see anybody other than Kate Blanchett or Regina King winning. Who is your prediction? My prediction is Regina King. I think that just zeitgeist-wise, sort of as you were referring to earlier, I just think that, you know, when this is in, in this category where it, it's sort of one person per big, you know, series, so it's kind of just like a battle of that, I think that, you know, I think it's just got to be her. And I, I guess I'll just say it right now. She is also my my pick for mm-hmm. my favorite to win. And I did go back and forth because Kate is amazing as Phyllis Schlafly, just absolutely amazing. But, you know, I just in my heart, I just want Regina to win um, because she's just such an emotional center for Watchmen. And I think, you know, especially for someone who who came into Watchmen really unacquainted with the material, a lot of times I felt really out of my element. And she is such a grounding character who you sort of follow through it while you're sort of getting accustomed to your surroundings. And I think that she's just, you know, emotionally does an amazing job. You know, she's a badass vigilante, but she's a gentle mom. And, you know, she she just is doing it, doing it all. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I'm glad that you picked Regina King because I picked for both prediction and personal favorite as Kate Blanchett. Although it really is just like, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, why exactly did I pick Kate Blanchett over Regina King? The two performances are just that good. They're just really, really good, both of them. And... I would be happy with either of them winning. I think for a, um, as you say, like as a, a show of the moment, I think the giving it to Regina King would mean a lot more. I just have a really hard time imagining Kate Blanchett not winning an award. Yeah, it feels like a complete awards bait cast yeah. and a valid one. Yeah, I mean, like she, like we said, she is excellent, but like there is a reason that she did this, mm-hmm. and it's to get an Emmy. Yeah, um, and. Her her role in this is it's such a masterclass in playing a real person. Because, yeah. again, if you just watch a video of Phyllis Schlafly, like Kate is just doing her. And I think part of this also needs to go to like the makeup people and the people that, you know, helped her like on her team to sort of become this person. But it's one of the best jobs I've ever seen. I think it's someone being someone else. Completely agree. 
Um, the one other performance that I want to talk about here, and I guess we should say that we watched Miss America, we watched Unorthodox, we watched Watchmen, and we really tried to watch Little Fires Everywhere. We got through two episodes. I think that show is very bad from at least the first two episodes, um, but I'm not going to like trash Kerry Washington or anything. So, Kerry um, Washington. What did I say? Kerry Washington. Oh, okay. Kerry Washington. Sorry. Um, and we haven't seen Self Made. But um, I think Shira Haas's nomination is fantastic. I think it's really cool. Like, just look at Shira Haas, who, if people have not heard of Unorthodox, have no idea who she is. And she's in a category against Kate Blanchett, Regina King, Octavia Spencer, Kerry Washington. She is literally walking amongst giants here. Mm -hmm. Like, these are four of the most talented working actors in Hollywood right now. And the fact that she's here, this is her win. And it's speaking yeah. of, like watching a video of somebody being nominated for an Emmy, the one with her and her um, co-star in uh, from Unorthodox is absolutely adorable. Oh, I haven't seen it. I'll have to look at it. So, it yeah, I mean, um, you know, I don't think she at all has a chance of winning here, but every now and then David does beat Goliath. So we'll see. I'm not going to personally bet yeah, on it. I would be shocked. But um, I mean, I think it's a great performance from uh, a, a good show. Do you have any snubs here? Um, I'm surprised that neither Merritt Weaver nor Caitlin Deaver were nominated for Unbelievable. But I guess, you know, again, we haven't we haven't seen the whole show. So so I'm not again, I'm not irate about that. But, you know, I would have thought that one of them would be because um, so far, you know, it seems like a really high quality show. It's, it seems like the performances are good. So I'm just surprised that this this one didn't get didn't get in. Um, yeah. This is something that I should definitely have looked up beforehand, but I have no idea why, like, there's five nominations in the lead actor and actress category, but there's, like, six to seven in supporting actress. Um, I don't know if it's just, like, you need a certain number of votes or something yeah, when I think, the nominations come I around. So. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised, or I'm, I am also surprised that Unbelievable is not being represented here. So, um, okay, let's go ahead and move on to best limited series. So this is the overall best of the limited series. This, um, the Emmy splits best limited series and best television movie. Um, for some reason they don't split the acting nominations, but whatever. So for best limited series, we've got little flyers everywhere, Miss America, unbelievable, unorthodox and Watchmen. So we've talked about all of these shows so far. I would be absolutely surprised if you your prediction and personal favorite are anything other than Watchmen. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's no secret at this point. We both, you know, think really highly of Watchmen, and I, I don't see. I mean, I, I guess I, I can see it not winning because I mean, we've seen some pretty it's big Hollywood. stuff before, but it just, it just shouldn't happen, and I will be pretty annoyed if it, if it, if it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think would win if Watchmen didn't win? Honestly, I feel like if that happened, it would be such a wild card. I, and again, I feel like I'm just showcasing my, you know, personal preference. I think it would have to be Mrs. America. I just, I don't see a scenario where it's Little Fires, you know, Unbelievable or Unorthodox. I think it would have to be Mrs. America. And I, and I couldn't be mad. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think that should happen. I think Mrs. America is an amazing show. I would highly recommend it. But yeah, I, for me, it's, for me, it's got to be Watchmen. Yeah, same here. It is the show of the year or whatever i think the writing in this show is so smart um dana i watched this kind of like a second time when you started watching it so mm -hmm. i watched it 
before you watched it and then kind of popped in here and there. And I think on second watch, I, I got to see the finale again. And I thought that the finale worked so much better seeing it a second time when you're kind of removed away from the J.J. Abrams, Damon, Damon Lindelof, like what's going on, waiting for a twist kind of thing to happen. Yeah. And you just get to experience the character's emotions and you know what's going on. I think that's where the performances really shine. Um, I think the other thing about this show that is incredible is the world building mm -hmm. where they'll just have these random little like almost little bits of trivia about the world, which makes sense. Like if you introduce something like superheroes to the 70s, it's going to have an impact on stuff 50 years from now right. or from then. So obviously nothing it's obviously it's not the exact same world that we live in and the way that they change those things i think is really smart it's really well thought out it's really consistent i think the show is definitely one of the best written things i've seen in a long time yeah in addition to the you know the way that the existence of the superheroes changes the world that is built in watchmen so so does the just you know the independent of the superhero aspect just the alternative history of how that has played out in you know the race relations in this world and you know that's something that you have to figure out sort of as a viewer especially i i think even if you have you know seen prior watchmen stuff you sort of have to figure out a little bit about you know how this alternative history has impacted the relationships between you know, groups of people. And I think that that was a that was a fun thing to sort of have to learn while watching the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any snubs here? Not really. I'm surprised that normal people wasn't nominated, but but, you know, I'm not not up in arms. Great. So let's go ahead and move on to best television movie. Now, I have no idea how this is like what's considered a television movie anymore, especially because like we just freaking watch Mulan on our television. So whatever. But the ones that they consider are the best of the best of these television movies is American Son, Bad Education, Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, These Old Bones, El Camino, A Breaking Bad Movie, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy vs. The Reverend. Dana, what's your prediction? So my prediction and my personal favorite um, is Bad Education, which mm -hmm. I talked about a little bit with regard to Hugh Jackman. I also, I mean, I like El Camino a lot. I... I was surprised that they made El Camino because I know Vince Gilligan had said that they weren't going to do a Breaking Bad movie. They weren't going to do a Breaking Bad movie unless they really felt like they had something to say. And yeah. I honestly, I watched it and I was like, it was good. But I was like, that's what you had to say? Like, I kind of extrapolated all of these things. Yeah. And especially, cause, I mean, I'll watch anything that Vince Gilligan does. So, you know, of course, fine. But And so I liked that. And so that was sort of what I was deciding between. But I did go with Bad Education for both. Um, and I would really plug it if you haven't seen it. And I think a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, but it's just an incredibly watchable movie. It's like a drama with like the right amount of stakes for when mm -hmm. you're you don't want to feel super overwhelmed or downtrodden. I also I work in education and there aren't a lot of movies that play out this kind of like school admin drama. So on a personal level, this was fun for me. <laughs> um, and, you know, just it, it technically it just feels really neat. And it's just, you know, it, it's just a pleasant time. And I would recommend watching it. Yeah, Bad Education is fantastic. It's on HBO Max slash go slash now no slash. Um, it is my personal favorite. My prediction, though, is El Camino, Breaking mm. Bad. Um, the only reason I'm predicting this is because I saw a prediction online from like yeah, Gold Derby or I something. That. Yeah. yeah, it said that it would be El Camino. So like, I guess that's what I'm going for. Um, it's I not think nearly that's cheating. 
I don't think it is. I think it's using my resources. Okay, fair. It's not nearly as good as bad education. And also, based on some of these other categories, I don't know how much the Emmys respects uh, Breaking Bad universe content. Fair. Fair. (laughs) I don't know. Might be a terrible prediction, but I guess we will see. We will. Um, Do you have anything on these other movies? I haven't seen American Son or the Dolly Parton thing. I did, like we've said before, watch the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt thing. I guess I should say I played it because it's an interactive movies and interactive movies are fucking bad. This one is also bad. It's not as bad as Bandersnatch, but that one did win an Emmy too. So like, what the hell do I know? Yeah, I don't have anything to say really about any of the rest of these and I don't have any snubs. I do agree about, you know, I feel like where interactive movies are right now is not where we want them to be. But I do think it's kind of, I think, good that they keep making them because I think that if we want them to ever be good, I feel like they have to be put out. And I, I hope that one day that there is one that is really fun and engaging. It's like the Wil- Wilbur and Orville Wright's first airplane. Like yeah. I would not want to fly in that, but I'm yeah. glad they made it because eventually we get Boeing's. Yeah. Uh, okay. So with that, let's go ahead and abandon limited series and TV movie and move on to the comedy series, starting first with Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. We've got Mahershala Ali for Rami. Alan Arkin for The Kaminsky Method, Andre Brower for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Sterling K. Brown for The Marvelous Miss Maisel, William Jackson Harper for The Good Place, Daniel Levy for Schitt's Creek, Tony Shalhoub for The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and Kenan Thompson for Saturday Night Live, and apparently literally anybody else that's ever been in a comedy <laughs> series. Yeah, there's there are like, like a million nominees now. Somebody. Yeah. Um, all right, Dana, what is your prediction well, for first, Best Supporting Actor? First, I have to ask a question, then, and that is, what is the Kaminsky Method? Not the show. Literally, what is the Kaminsky Method? Does anyone watch it? Why is it always nominated? I don't understand. So I can shed a little light onto that, and by a little light, just like literally a peephole of it. I did watch the first episode, maybe the second episode. It is a Netflix comedy show from um, Chuck Lorre who is kind of mm-hmm. like a veteran of the television sitcom. He's behind shows like, I believe, like Two and a Half Men, but also Big Bang Theory and shows like that. So he's very good at making the kind of like effortlessly entertaining for a large subset of Americans who grew up going home after work and turning on the television and yeah. watching whatever was on CBS at 6 p.m. I wasn't particularly stunned by the Kaminsky method. It does have two old men as the protagonists, Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas. And I believe the Kaminsky method is a reference to Michael Douglas's character is like an actor with the last name Kaminsky and he teaches the Kaminsky method, but I really didn't get far into the show. So yeah, well, the reason I ask is because I know that Alan Arkin has won for the Kaminsky method before, and that makes it really hard for me to predict this category because the fact that that win could happen means that my knowledge <laughs> means nothing here. Um, but I did predict a win for Tony Shalhoub for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He did win last year, and that was partially mm-hmm. why. And I, I do think that he's just kind of one of those beloved actors that, you know, people just love what he does. And I do think that he's funny as Abe in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, and I have, I have, um, I'm pretty much caught up in that. I have a few episodes left in season three. Mati's seen all of it. Um, uh, but what about you? What do you think? Who will win? I've also got Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. And I mean, I think I may just be making this up. I, I didn't do that much research for this, honestly. But I don't think that um, the Emmys 
nominates the same performance over and over again that often. Right. I mean, you've got exceptions like Julia Louise Dreyfus, who just destroyed every yeah. single season that Veep was playing. But um, so I'm a little hesitant to predict Tony Shalhoub. But again, I think that like you've got a lot of these nominations here that just feel like I'm nominating you for the sake of nominating you. And the win is the nomination. Yeah. And that's nothing against the actors or anything. But shows yeah. like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, The Good Place, um, even Saturday Night Live to an extent feel like shows that they kind of just give the nomination to and don't really consider yeah past definitely um so yeah tony shalhoub is my prediction my personal favorite i was very torn between tony shalhoub and mahershala ali but i ended up picking mahershala ali just because he is i mean it's almost dumb to say that he's an incredible actor he is literally one of the best actors currently working in my opinion he can do whatever he wants and i think it will always deserve considerations um he's excellent in rami he's just like effortlessly a good person in that movie or that tv show so um he's got my vote he has also got my vote i also picked mahershala to win oh yeah and i yeah i mean i can't say much other than what you've already said that you know i mean he he doesn't miss so it's you know it's almost redundant to even talk about how how good he is um it's really funny to watch him in this role because he is uh, he plays a stoic character that I feel that he often does, but you watch him go through this like vicarious emotional turmoil because he's dealing <laughs> with Rami, who's just a complete shit show of a person, and he sort of has to like play off, you know, this stoicism with taking on as a mentee this just complete mess of a person. <laughs> yeah. Um and it ends up being really funny. Um and I think, yeah, I think that this performance is great and uh, Rami's great show. So all around really would be really excited for him to win for this. I'm not even going to ask you if you've got snubs because every single television show has all the people <laughs> that are in that show in this category. So I think we can move on. But I do want to ask, do you want to just comment on any of these other performances? Um, I know we've seen Rami. We have not seen Kaminsky Method. Obviously, we've seen parts of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know how much the performances change from season to season in yeah. that. Um, we've seen The Marvelous Miss Maisel. We've, of course, seen The Good Place. Um, I have not seen Schitt's Creek other than a first, the first couple episodes of season one, and uh, I've obviously seen Saturday Night Live <laughs> <laughs> once or twice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Keenan, you know, is a is a big part of SNL, and I, I mean, I don't think there's any way he'll win, but I, I do think that he's he's a really good uh, cast member, and he tends to be in some of the funnier stuff. Um, William Jackson Harper is is good, you know, in the good place. I don't think there's a scenario where he'll win. Dan Levy could get a nod because it's Shit's Creek on his way out, and he had such a big part in that. Um, I love Andre Brower in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's <laughs> consistently, I think, my favorite character. Has he ever won? I don't think so. Yeah, it seems like the kind of performance that's just doomed to like be so consistent that it's never the thing that people want. Yeah, I don't know how well Brooklyn Nine-Nine just has in getting awards at all. Like, I think it's a really consistent show, but I feel like it's never had like a breakout, you know, year where they they take home everything, maybe when they get to their final season and whenever that may be. Yeah, I think the only other person other than Mahershala Ali, Tony Shalhoub, and I guess Alan Arkin to have a shot here is Sterling K. Brown Mm -hmm. because he's just another character or another character actor that... You can throw any role at and it'll be awards worthy. Yeah. Like he steals the three minutes of Black Panther that he's in. <laughs> like he's just has this effortless presence. Um, he always shows up on the screen and you're like, okay, you are the character that has my attention. Yeah. And 
so charismatic. Yeah, that's exactly how he is in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. So great performance. Would not hate to see that. Let's go ahead and move on to Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. This one also is just everybody under the sun. We've got Alex Borstein from The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Darcy Carden from The Good Place, Betty Gilpin from Glow, Marin Hinkle from The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live, Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek, Yvonne Orji from Insecure, and Cecily Strong from Saturday Night Live. So what is your prediction, Dana? So... My prediction is similar to the category above. Alex Borstein from Maisel. I, I think the awards, you know, they love Maisel. She won last year. Alex Borstein did. Um, and I I don't particularly love this character or this performance. It's a little bit flat to me. Um, you know, I think it's fine. But so it's it's definitely not my favorite. But I, I, I'm a little head scratching at who else I think could take this from Alex. What about you? Yeah, I've got a weird prediction. I'm going with Kate McKinnon. Hmm. And I don't totally know why, but for some reason it feels right to me, given how, like, important SNL is in this political turmoil. And she does always have the most showy and ridiculous of the characters that she gets to play. I mean, Cecily Strong is another good case, but Kate McKinnon kind of does feel like the classic go-to SNL actor. I know she won something recently. I think maybe a Golden Globe for her SNL performance. I believe so, because I remember her having um, a... Maybe she was just like credited with some sort of like onstage award or something, yeah. but she got something where she got to go up on stage and talk about how Ellen was a great influence to her. Oh, I do remember that. No, wasn't that for Bombshell? Oh, maybe it was. Uh, or am I I, maybe I'm so. making that up. I yeah, no, it definitely wasn't for Bombshell. Okay. But Never it may mind. have been like an Ellen DeGeneres war, award or something. Oh, um, I feel like it was. I think she was introducing Ellen for something. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right now. Yeah, like Ellen got the award and she yeah. was the introducer. Okay, well, there goes my whole theory. But <laughs> I'm still going to predict Kate McKinnon. Um, I, again, think that not that this category is weak, but just that there isn't a single like standout person. I think Alex Borstein is a great prediction but again like just going from season two to season three i just don't see any reason to give it to her again yeah so to speak yeah i mean i i i agree with everything you just said in that i i mean especially with regard to kate in that she is you know so central to snl and i think that cecily is too i think that i actually like thought about picking cecily as my personal Mm. favorite not as my prediction but i think that the two of them are two people where a lot of snl sketches are ultimately skips for me but i think that they're two people where if i see that they're in it i'm like oh i'm gonna watch this one because there's a better chance than usual that this will actually be funny (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's fair what is your personal favorite Um, Uh, can i guess yes I think it's Darcy Carden. It is Darcy Carden. Oh, I know you. Um, she's she's so funny. Um, and this role is so many different roles. It's just so many different Janets and so many different things that I think it's amazing how well she just turns on a dime to just go a completely different direction with the character. And even though she's not even a person, she just is like the emotional center of the show. And I, yeah, I, I just, I, I love her. Yeah, she's also my personal favorite. I think it's a bit tough because it's a performance in a show that is definitely putting comedy above drama. And it's not that there isn't drama in the show. It's not that there isn't emotion. 
but it's a lot of just based on jokes and the type of acting required to do that successfully is not the type of acting that you like normally consider as quote unquote good acting Yeah, because in a lot of sitcoms, you can get away with relatively shitty acting Mm -hmm. because the jokes can kind of carry you. And so it's really hard to compare a Darcy Carden performance to something like Alex Bordenstein or uh, Maren Hinkle or um, even Betty Gilpin in Glow, where like, yes, it's a comedy, but it's also incredibly rooted in actual dramatic stakes. And they're not like playing to the audience in the same way. So I do think that Darcy Carden is kind of doomed to like be overlooked. But I agree. I think she's a great actress and I'm really excited to see like where she goes after this. Yeah, I think it really depends on the rubric that people are voting on, because I do think that that's true, that the Alex Borstein role is a lot more kind of, you know, it's a more of a dramatic, dramatic, yeah, <laughs> whatever kind of vibe versus Darcy's is more straight comedy. Not to say, you know, it's, there aren't serious moments, but it just is a more just comedic role. And I but there is, you know, there's merit to that to just to show that just is purely to make you laugh and not to make and not not that the good place doesn't also make you feel but just it's it's you know i mean it's a half hour even that mm-hmm. it's network it's just it it isn't trying to be what Maisel is yeah exactly um i guess we should say i keep forgetting this in these categories that we have seen the marvelous miss Maisel. we've seen the good place um i've seen glow dana has not i've not but i love getty Betty Gilpin as an individual. Yeah, I, I'm going to drag you a little bit for not seeing Glow because it's a really good show. And I, I, think I you feel would like, like I know it. that I would love it and I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, and, and Betty Gilpin is fantastic. I think she gets to play a character that is not always likable, but you still root for. And that's incredibly difficult to do. And without a Betty Gilpin in playing that role, that character comes off as like an asshole or really unenjoyable. And I think she does a good balance at finding like the dualism of that character Mm -hmm. just to keep it incredibly vague and especially in season three she does some like pretty heinous things and i think that despite that you still end up liking her and you also understand the things that she does so great character um i haven't seen schitt's creek as i said and i also haven't seen insecure Dana, I know you have seen Insecure at least certain seasons, correct? Yeah, I'm not caught up, but I have seen some of Insecure, and I've seen a little bit of Schitt's Creek. I, I haven't seen it. And yeah, we've we've both seen SNL, of course. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, do you have any snubs? I don't have any snubs, because again, there are a million people in this category. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and move on to Best Actor in a Comedy Series. We've got Anthony Anderson in Blackish, Don Cheadle in Black Monday, Ted Danson in The Good Place, Michael Douglas in The Kaminsky Method, Eugene Levy in Schitt's Creek, and Rami Youssef in Rami. So before I forget, neither of us have seen Blackish or Black Monday, and we also have not seen The Kaminsky Method. <laughs> Famously. And we also have not seen much of Schitt's Creek. So that leaves The Good Place. So we're really credible Rami. sources on this category, is yep. what. Yeah, I'm going to bet all my money on this category. Dana, what's your prediction? My prediction for this is Eugene Levy for yeah, Schitt's Creek. Um, again, it's its last season, um, and and you know I know I know that this I, again I've seen some of it, and I and I do think it's really funny, and I think that I think that it will just be a kind of you know uh, a goodbye Emmy for him in the way that people often get for their final season, and I think you know I I'm that's not my personal favorite, but I have no problem with that ultimately. <laughs> what is your personal favorite? My personal favorite, can you guess? 
Ted Danson? No. Rami Youssef. Yes. I mean, by default, it's the only other show you've seen. <laughs> True. <laughs> Is okay. it Michael Douglas? Yeah. Um, yes. I'm coming out now as a Kaminsky Method stan. Um, oh, this is for Kaminsky Method? I thought he was being nominated for Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> for so. a comedy series? Yeah. Um no, Rami, um, R- Rami, you know, is is an amazing show, so funny, and um, I don't even know if I would say that the the acting yeah. <laughs> that I see from Rami is amazing, but he just like, I mean, he literally is Rami, being Rami, like so. I don't know. I you just feel like he is the character, and you just feel like so much of the show is autobiographical. So you feel like you're watching him in these real scenarios that are so informed by the you know experience of living in an immigrant family from the united in the united states and um you know as a as a muslim in the united states what that experience is like and you know a lot of the show is really heavy but it's especially season two yes but it's also so funny and it's almost you know it's almost more than other comedies i can think of where you sort of really go back and forth between like oh my god someone is just got murdered but then <laughs> like but then you know it's such irreverent humor at the same time and i think that he is awesome and, and it's his show so i just felt like i gotta give this to him wow that's surprising um i think it's not like wrong of me to say that i think i like rami a little more than you yeah no that's true um yeah and i i think that rami comes from a breed of show that's starting to become more and more popular where it's just like a 20 or 30 something year old just writing a show about their life Mm -hmm. and then you just watch the show and there's not really a plot it's kind of just here's a thing that happened to me or here's a fictionalized version of what happened to me yeah and you're seeing also just like the events that are happening to their friends and their family and there will be different episodes that focus on different people in their lives yeah it reminds me quite a bit of like atlanta um and also of dave which are also two hulu fx shows so is rami so, um, yeah, this is I have written here that it's difficult to tell how much he's acting versus how much <laughs> he's just saying words in front of a camera yeah. and somebody's filming it. So um, because of that, I actually have my personal favorite as Ted Danson, although I could be convinced either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ted Danson is very good for the entire run of The Good Place. That show does not work without Ted Danson. I completely agree. But um, I think he feels exceptionally good in the final episode of the show when he is given probably the most heavy lifting that he has to do the entire season uh, and the entire series. So, um, yeah, uh, my vote or my personal favorite is Ted Danson. But, I mean, I would love to see Rami Youssef win this. He did win the Golden Globe. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities for him to snipe this from Eugene Levy. Yeah. yeah Any snubs? I, um, I don't have any snubs um, for Best Actor in a Comedy Series. And it seems, you know, I'm realizing that... I watch a lot more dramas than comedies and a lot of the the shows that I haven't seen are comedies. So there could be snubs that are out there, but I don't know of them. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to best actress in a comedy series. We've got Christina Applegate from Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Linda Cardellini from Dead to Me, Catherine O'Hare from Schitt's Creek, Issa Rae from Insecure, and Tracy Ellis Ross from Blackish. So again, um, we have seen Dead to Me. We've seen The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Have not seen Schitt's Creek. I have not seen Insecure, but Dana has, and I've only seen maybe one or two episodes of Blackish. So, with that, Dana, what is your prediction for Best Actress? 
My prediction, um, sort of unsurprisingly, is Catherine O'Hara, given what I just said about Eugene Levy for similar reasons. And I honestly think even more so that she might, I think, more highly of her performance even than of his. So mm-hmm. I think that if someone should win, it should be her. I think that she is pretty hilarious in what I have seen of Schitt's Creek. And I think that she's a really beloved actress and a lot of people would like to see her win this. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Schitt's Creek will win both Best Actor and Best Actress. Yeah. But that being said, I did also predict Catherine O'Hare because, I mean, if you predict both of them, you'll probably get one of them right. That's how gambling works, Even a blind squirrel. Yes. But um, yeah, I'm covering my bases and I'm just going to predict them both. I think Rachel Brosnahan is great. Uh, She's always good. I just don't really see why they would. She got it for season one. And then, of course, Phoebe Waller-Bridge came and just kicked everybody's ass and got like six Emmys. But there's nobody like that in this category. So I guess they could give it to Rachel Brosnahan again. Um, Although, again, I'd I'd be dubious because I think it's Catherine O'Hare's to lose. Do you have a personal favorite? So I went, even though I'm not totally caught up on this show, I went with my gut on who I would like to see win this. And for me, that's Issa Rae. And I think that Insecure is a, is a really cool show. And it sort of reminds me of what you were just saying about Rami. It's just mm-hmm. like you're just watching someone live their experience and a lot of it. And especially when, you know, you know, the racial dynamics permeate like all of our media. And of course, media created by or prominently featuring black individuals is sort of inherently politicized as like, you know, in a certain way. And this is, you know, an amazing case in that it doesn't happen as nearly as often as it should, where you have this big platform like HBO that's telling these really everyday stories of just this um, millennial black woman who is just navigating, you know, her life with her friends and her relationships. Um, and it's it's just legitimately funny. Um, and And I think that she is, again, such a heart of this show, absolutely doesn't work without her, or there's no one else that you can sort of imagine in this role. And I think at the same time, though, it's setting up um, you know, future opportunities for Black women to have platforms like HBO available to them um, to to be able to tell their stories. And so I think that just, you know, heart-wise, I would really, really love to see her win this. Well, that was very touching. And now my personal favorite seems super lame <laughs> because I did not pick Issa Rae. I haven't seen Insecure, so I can't. I picked Christina Applegate. Okay. I think the women in Dead to Me are both excellent. Season one is definitely better than season two. But I do think that season one, because it came out during the year of Fleabag. No shot. Yeah. So maybe they want to give season two some love. I think it'd be much more likely for them to give season three some love because that is going to be their last season. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Christina Applegate is really good in it. I also think Linda Cardellini is really good. But Linda Cardellini's character is capital T, capital W, the worst person (laughs) ever. Um, that's not true, but she's super grating. And, um, I think Christina Applegate is so funny. I think she's really empathetic. And I think that in so far as like drama that like a rich real estate white woman from California can provide us, I think she has a pretty compelling arc and you just really want the best for her. So my personal favorite, Christina Applegate. Yeah, I see that. I, I, I agree. I think both of the women um, turn in amazing performances. And I agree, though. Linda Cardellini's character, you just want to shake her and be like, why are you this way? Um, <laughs> stop doing things. <laughs> yes. Stop doing literally everything. But yeah, no, I, I, I see that. I would I would be fine with Christina Applegate. Okay. Any snubs? Got no snubs here. Me neither. So let's go ahead and move on to best comedy series. So we've got Curb Your Enthusiasm out of nowhere. Dead to Me. 
The Good Place, Insecure, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Schitt's Creek, and also out of nowhere, but yay, What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> so I have not seen anything other than a handful of episodes from Curb Your Enthusiasm. And as we've said before, we've seen Dead to Me, we've seen The Good Place, Dana has seen Insecure, uh, we have not seen The Kaminsky Method. Unless. What? Maybe we have. I don't understand that, but we're going to move on. <laughs> Uh, we have seen The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, we've seen a couple episodes of Schitt's Creek, and we definitely have seen What We Do in the Shadows. So maybe I'm playing my hand a little bit, but Dana, what is your prediction and personal favorite for best comedy series? So my prediction is, so I, well, I guess you already said you don't think this will happen, but I think that Schitt's Creek will win. I didn't say, no, I said I didn't think Oh, you think didn't, that, you said, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, this is also my prediction. Okay. Yeah, again, I think that they like to give people the award on their way out. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people love the show. It's also gained a lot of popularity since it went on Netflix. So I feel like it's it didn't really get a lot of recognition in the first half of its run. I feel like they're kind of like backloading that kind of recognition for the show. Um, Yeah, but for my personal favorite, um, I had to think about it a little bit, but I went with The Good Place. Um, I do, I do love the Good Place. It's been, it's been such a fun ride, and it was emotional for me when it ended. As a um, someone who holds a BA in philosophy, it was really fun <laughs> to see them talk about Kantian ethics on TV every week, and I miss it a lot. And you know, so many fun performances, just, just a really, you know, feel good show, but also just actually was you know had these you know philosophical questions that I think that a lot of people like hadn't really engaged with before on a network tv comedy so so that was fun um i'm guessing that you are going to say what we do in the shadows yeah that show is just so fucking funny um it should be really happy with its nomination yeah similar to shira haas it's just like that is the win for them because this show is a mockumentary series about vampires living in staten island like that's not particularly mainstream I guess is the way to say it. But damn, if this show is not the funniest shit on TV uh, right now, like I laugh out loud every single episode. I think it is so funny. I say fucking guy (laughs) all the time. Great show. Obviously, I don't think it's going to win. My money's on Schitt's Creek and I think it's their trophy to lose. I I agree with everything that you say on The Good Place. It just feels like one of those shows that's kind of like doomed to never be recognized by the Emmys yeah. because it is like a network thing. But I mean, it's also The Good Places last season. So maybe they give the acting nominations to Schitt's Creek and then they give The Good Place comedy series. I yeah, it, I would be surprised maybe. to see it, but yeah, I would I would love to see it. Yeah. So do you have any snubs for best comedy series? Yeah, I'm disappointed that Rami didn't get nominated. And I am oh, a, yeah. a little surprised. I am I mean, I'm happy for what we do in The Shadows, too. I also love it. Um, but I'm surprised that that got in there and Rami didn't. And not that that would be the one to go, but just, you know, considering everything else's odds. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm kind of bummed that Rami's not up there. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even realize that, but I agree. It definitely should be in here. And if you can have... What, eight? Why can't you have nine? (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and move on to the drama categories. We're going to start with best supporting actor in a drama series, a.k.a. actors in Succession. We've got Nicholas Braun from Succession, 
Billy Crudup from The Morning Show, Kieran Culkin from Succession, Mark Duplass from The Morning Show, Giancarlo Esposito from Better Call Saul, Matthew McFadden from Succession, Bradley Whitford from The Handmaid's Tale, and Jeffrey Wright from Westworld. So we've got like eight people from Succession, a couple people from The Morning Show. Are these people going to eat each other's votes? Or Dana, do you, is your prediction from Succession or The Morning Show? So this category was really hard for me um, because I love a lot of these people. And I must say, I am really glad that Game of Thrones is gone because I'm tired of all of these <laughs> nominations being eaten up by Game of Thrones performances. So this is kind of like fun. And that being said, I also do have some snubs. So even though this category is stacked, I do have some people that I want to talk about who aren't here. My prediction here goes to Succession. It goes to Kieran Culkin. Um, I think that he has the most buzz from what I've seen for succession of who's mm. going to bring it home. What do you think? I completely agree. I think it's going to be Kieran Culkin, which is really counterintuitive given that there's four people. What? No, just three, but three people from succession in here. Um, but I don't think that Nicholas Braun or Matthew <laughs> I would McFadden. I imagine if Cousin Greg wins, though. Yes. I would love that for him. You you, you stole my thing. My personal <laughs> favorite is Nicholas Braun, because like, how Cousin Greg would it be for Nicholas Braun to beat Matthew <laughs> McFadden and speech. Kieran Culkin? <laughs> yeah, he, he would go up there and I... I mean, I, I don't know the guy, uh, but like, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, he is another character actor that might just be saying words in front of a camera. I wouldn't be surprised if he was just Cousin Greg all the time. Yeah, I watched an interview with Brian Cox where he said that they'll accidentally call him Nicholas when they're shooting or they'll call him Greg when they're not shooting because <laughs> they get confused about who is the character and who is the person because Nicholas Braun literally is Cousin Greg. Yeah, he's he's such a good character. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's Kieran's to win here. And in a way, Kieran is also the most showy of the three. In terms of acting, he gets to do a lot of big acting, and he's also a fan favorite character, similar to like Peter Dinklage. So I think that that is why he's the most likely uh, character. So again, I forgot to say, um, we have seen Succession, we've seen The Morning Show, we've seen Better Call Saul. I've only seen season one of The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't seen any of it. Okay. And we were forced to watch Westworld. (laughs) By ourselves. Forced by each other, yeah. So who do you want to win? So I think that my answer to this question may shock you. And I oh, no. I can't believe that I'm going to do what I'm doing. Bradley Jackson. Yes. <laughs> I have chosen as my personal favorite in Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series as Billy Crudup as Corey Let's Ellison go. in The Morning Show. I okay. I I feel like I have to apologize because I love Succession so <laughs> much, and I honestly think that maybe if only one of the Succession guys had been nominated, I would have picked it. But I was like, I I don't know how to choose between, you know, my boys here, my children, <laughs> and and then there is Billy Crudup as Corey Ellison, and he is a show stealer. Like, forget a scene yeah. stealer for me. Like, I like I would just like watch just a supercut of just his scenes in the morning show. Because he's just so good. Like, I don't even know what it is. Like, I don't even know if I like him or hate him, but <laughs> he's just so good. And like, you just, you're just like, what, what is this? But, and I don't even know anything about what Billy Crudup is like as a person. So I don't know how much this is just him versus the performance, but it's, it's so good. He is an agent of chaos on the show. Like characters, basically characters are just like trying to 
thrive in this world. And anytime somebody like wants to tip the needle or whatever, Corey Ellison is there going, yeah, yeah, fucking tip it. And he's <laughs> like, he's like driving everybody to just cause chaos. And he is by far the best part of the show. Um, the morning show is something is a show that I like was very cynical about watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like mandatory homework because it's nominated. Yeah, in a we lot were of these like, categories. oh, I guess we have to watch the morning show. And then we both really liked yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it was even like the first couple episodes. We were like, oh, this this sucks. This is just like an Emmy reel for yeah. an hour. And then once it finds its footing, holy shit, this show is so good. But like even before that, in the episodes where it hasn't found its footing, Billy Crudup makes the show watchable yes. even in those episodes. So like once it finally comes together and everything's firing on all cylinders, I this is like a a really good show and Billy Crudup is absolutely the best part of it. Um before we go to snubs, I'll just quickly say Jeffrey Wright's character in Westworld could have been played by a robot with a Jeffrey Wright mask <laughs> he, because he's he given basically literally is. That is the plot <laughs> Spoilers. of the show. <laughs> Dana spoiling season one of Westworld there. Um, well, if you haven't seen it, then do yourself a favor and never watch it because then you won't be in the situation where we and we're like, we guess we have to keep going because we're this far in because season three of Westworld is a drag. Yep. And I mean, Jeffrey Wright is a fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's like one scene in the last episode where he actually gets to act and it's really good, but it is too little too late. I'm sorry, Jeffrey Wright good for you though i mean like you you are a fantastic actor and i'm talking to you as if you're listening to this so um dana i believe you probably do have snubs here and i'm willing to guess a few of them yes go ahead uh okay tony dalton yes tony dalton is it in my notes i have tony dalton at first in capital letters i knew he wasn't gonna get probably nominated but it would have been amazing to see it would have been incredibly deserved he plays a character named Lalo on Better Call Saul. And he's this villain who's introduced kind of really late in the game. And I normally hate when shows do that, Mm -hmm. but this just works and he is amazing. There is like a one shot of him just making a face at a camera that does just more characterization than, you know, most shows can do in a whole episode. He's just, he's just amazing. Um, But yeah, who, who, who else? I mean, if I'm guessing, it's also going to be Jonathan Banks. Yes. And maybe even um, the guy who plays Nacho. Can't Michael remember. Mondo, yes. Yeah. Yes, those are, those are two of my others. Um, yeah, Jonathan Banks, you know, as Mike, of course, even if you haven't seen Better Call Saul, you've probably seen Breaking Bad and he plays Mike, the same character. And you just know he just is Mike. Like, you just believe that Jonathan Banks could kill someone with his bare hands. He just <laughs> He just really takes on that. That life, Michael Mando, is is really amazing. He's, you know, a sort of really a character who's experiencing a lot of inner turmoil as he's trying to sort of get out of this pickle, to say the least, that he's gotten himself and his family into with, you know, a drug cartel that he doesn't want to be involved in anymore. Um, and, you know, he's he plays just he plays it really well. Um, and so he is my third. I do have one more that I bet you won't guess. Can I say mine just in case oh, you yeah, steal yeah, yeah. mine? Okay, I have one other snub. I I don't know if it's at all the same as yours, but this is a pivotal character from like one of the most defining shows from last year. It is Baby Yoda. Yeah, that was mine. I knew you were going to steal my joke. (laughs) 
I well, I have the puppet who played Baby Yoda <laughs> in The Mandalorian. Yeah, um, I can't believe we just did the same joke. This is probably like nauseating for the viewer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's obviously a joke, but like Baby Yoda made that show. So if you want to give an Emmy to a puppet, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, just, just talking quickly about some of your snubs. I, I have Tony Dalton written here and just in general, I find it really weird that Giancarlo Esposito was the one single acting nomination from Better Call Saul, given that he is like the sixth most interesting performance in the entire show. And, uh, this is playing our hand a little bit about like snubs in the next couple categories. (laughs) And we, we are both incredibly big fans of Better Call Saul. Um, and and Giancarlo, of course, is amazing. Yeah. And being the sixth most interesting character on Better Call Saul is no small feat. And I do think it's an amazing performance. But yeah, it it is a little random to me that he is the one who got the nom of the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, he is just playing his greatest hits, basically. Yeah. And those hits are great, obviously. <laughs> like, Gus Fring is an iconic TV character. Probably one of the yeah, most iconic so TV chilling. characters from the last 10 years. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, it's, it. I think Tony Dalton is just a goddamn hurricane on that show. Yeah. And it would have been awesome to see him here. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. We've got Helena Bonham Carter from The Crown, Laura Dern from Big Little Lies, Julia Garner from Ozark, Thandie Newton from Westworld, Fiona Shaw from Killing Eve, Sarah Snook from Succession, Meryl Streep from Big Little Lies, Samira Wiley from The Handmaid's Tale, Oh, that's just it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, let's start by just saying that I have seen The Crown. Dana has not. I, I plan to. I very much, I know that I should and would like to. Yeah. Uh, we've both seen Big Little Lies. We have not seen Ozark Season 3. I have seen Ozark Season 1. It's kind of a meme between Netflix us. Netflix has been trying so hard. The algorithm wants me to watch Ozark like nothing else in this world, and I patently refuse. Yeah, Dana's being a trooper over there. We have, of course, seen Westworld. Um, I've seen the first couple episodes of Killing Eve, but definitely not season three. We have seen Succession, Big Little Lies again, and uh, like we said, I've only seen The Handmaid's Tale, uh, the first season, and Dana has not seen any of it. So a little bit of a mixed bag here in terms of what we've seen. But Dana, of those, what do you think the prediction or what is your prediction for the best supporting actress? Um, You know, I, I really, really did not know for this one, partially because this is it feels like there's a lot of ground covered here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having someone like Meryl in this category kind of throws me for a loop because I, I don't think that she'll win. But then it's also like it's Meryl in a yeah. TV awards show like. <laughs> Like maybe they just wills. So I, I I really don't know. Um and I'm I'm gonna go with Helena Bonham Carter from The Crown. And I, I haven't seen that, so clearly I'm not making that based <laughs> on any expert grounds. But if I'm just like running the calculus in my head about just what I know of these actresses and what I know of these shows, I could see it being Julia Garner. Um, she won last year. I don't know if they'd give it to her again. And I you know, again, have not seen Ozark. Um, so so I could see that happening. Um, but yeah, I think this is this is a toss up to me. Yeah, um, I agree. It feels weird not giving an award to Meryl Streep. But I, I guess the thing that we forget is that uh, for like every nomination that she gets, 
she only wins or like for every win that she gets, she's been nominated like four or five times. Yeah. So she doesn't win everything. But um, I think that the drama series is rightfully so between The Crown and Succession. And given that for whatever reason, um, I mean, I think Sarah Snook is a fantastic actress, but I don't think she's going to emerge from this category as the winner. So I'm also predicting Helena Bonham Carter. And I have also actually seen that performance. So I think it's a good prediction <laughs> from you. Um, I have a lifetime hatred for this woman because of her portrayal as Bellatrix Lestrange. But that just really speaks to how good of an actress she is. She is absolutely fiendish yeah. as Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah, I can hear her in my head yelling, I killed Sirius oh, I Black. I killed Sirius Black. Just oh. So you just want to punch her. Yeah. But of course, you never would. Right. Um, I also think that she is a very weird casting choice for Princess Margaret. Yeah. Because Princess Margaret is four, is like four years younger than the Queen. And Helen Bonham Carter is 54, whereas Olivia Queen, uh, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman is 46. So she's got an eight year bump on her. And it's like actually noticeable not to like drag a woman for being 54 but you know you can you can tell that she doesn't have the same like youthful exuberance as princess margaret does when she's played by vanessa kirby but um regardless of that i think it's a powerful performance and she is one of those actors that steals every single scene that she's in like she's never in a scene in that show where the scene is not about her yeah so i think that's a mark of a good performance and she's also just like a name right I mean, of course, a lot of these people are Laura Dern, um, Meryl Streep, but and and again, Julia Garner won last year, so who the fuck knows? But uh, my my money's on um, Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. It's one of those things that I I know that I'm gonna like it again, and I just I just gotta sit down and turn it on. Um, my personal favorite for this, I did say Sarah Snook, who plays. Yep. Siobhan Roy on Succession. And, um, you know, with like every performance on Succession is amazing. But yeah, there are times when I'm watching the show when I'm like, wow, Shiv is like the best person here. She's the only competent person. Like all of these men should be banned (laughs) from conducting business and should be like put on an island somewhere and never be allowed to talk to anyone again. And then there are times where I'm like, oh my God, Shiv is the worst. And (laughs) she's so mean. And like she, and I think that Sarah Snook does a really good job of, you know, portraying this person who honestly, like, comes across as really heartless, but you understand why when you see her family, and then, you know, you want to root for her, but then you can't, and, you know, some things like that, it, it could be inconsistent, but it doesn't feel that way. It just does feel complex, and it feels like a realized human being. Yeah, completely agree. She's also my personal favorite. Um, I'll just add one thing that I was thinking about when I was thinking about why she was my personal favorite, and it's that she plays an iconic character that is actually incredibly grounded in a show where all the other characters are essentially caricatures, mm-hmm. right? You've got Cousin Greg, as we've talked about, but even like Kieran Culkin and um, Cameron from, what, what is his name? Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh my God, um, Alan Alan Ruck. Yes, Alan Ruck playing this like, you know, Trumpian idiot. <laughs> and then even like Jeremy Strong is kind of playing... Uh, like an exaggerated version of a real human being. But Shiv is actually a very realistic character. And the fact that she is so iconic, despite that, I think speaks volumes to Sarah Snook as an actress. Any snubs here? 
Not really. Um, I would have been I would have been pleased to see J. Smith Cameron um be nominated. She plays Jerry on Succession. I mean, I don't oh, think okay. you know I I don't need it, but I think I think that it could have been earned. Um, but yeah, that's that's really all I had. Okay, cool. Uh, well then, let's move on to best actor in a drama series. We've got Jason Bateman from Ozark, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, Steve Carell from The Morning Show, Brian Cox from Succession, Billy Porter from Pose, and Jeremy Strong from Succession. All right, Dana, we're making you pick your number one boy here. (laughs) Who is your prediction for best actor? So my prediction and my personal favorite are the same, and it is my number one boy. It is Jeremy Strong. Um, okay. Daddy's number one boy. And I know he submitted as his Emmy episode the season two finale. And so I don't want to spoil anything, but like, come on. Like, it's just an amazing episode for yep. him. And just you see him and, and throughout the whole show, you see him at times as so weak and broken and so human and vulnerable. And then you see him as this complete, you know, douche, power hungry, strong arm in a suit. <laughs> and he just does it all so well. And and during season one, I think it really hit me, but, you know, it, it's played out more over season two, but during season one, when Kendall, Jeremy Strong's character, has his relapse, it, that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is such a performance to watch, because in the beginning, he had been doing that, like, oh, I'm like a business guy for so long, but then you just see him break down, and he does it so well, and I thought that he played, you know, this this conversation between, you know, addict and relapse and recovery so well, and it felt really real, and it felt like watching someone who'd really been through it. Um, and of course, L to the OG is an iconic moment in television that <laughs> happened this season. The Kendall Roy rap, we have to respect it, and we want to see it recognized. <laughs> Jeremy Strong's performance reminds me of an injured coyote, not an oh. injured puppy dog. Right. Like an injured puppy dog, you want to coddle and you want to like pet and be like, oh, it's okay." But an injured coyote, you still kind of feel bad, but you want to feel bad from a distance because you get close to that thing and it'll bite your hand off. And I think Jeremy Strong just plays that to a T where like he is beaten and broken based on what happens in the season one finale. And you feel terrible for him. But at the same time, he also plays scrappy and cunning and like. He's going to knife you if he gets the chance. And I think it's a fantastic performance. That is why he is my personal favorite. Um, My prediction, though, is Brian Cox. Hmm. And the reason for that is because Brian Cox's performance is explosive and bombastic. And when you put that in an Emmy reel for people who have not seen Succession and have not seen Jeremy Strong's more nuanced and over time evolution of his character, Brian Cox is a tour de force. In, especially in yeah. a reel where he's uh, give me my goddamn you know whatever I I don't I'm not gonna do a, <laughs> I'm not gonna do a Brian Cox impersonation, um, but yeah he's he's really good and I don't think it's ridiculous if he wins or anything but I do agree oh, no. that Jeremy Strong is the better of the two. Oh yeah, I mean I you know I, I can't complain about a Brian Cox win. Oh, I say that now I might complain, but <laughs> but yeah I mean he he's of course amazing and he is so important to the show. I can't imagine someone else in that role. Um, You know, he just plays that patriarch character so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one other character that I want to talk about before getting to snubs is Steve Carell in The Morning Show. We've talked about The Morning Show already, um, but I think, like, 
I think that it wasn't until I started writing this that I realized how ballsy this performance is for Steve, uh, Steve Crow. He's not doing Michael Scott. And for a long time, he was a character that was explicitly a lovable moron. Yeah. And the and like the word that would describe Steve Carell is harmless. And that is not at all what he is in the morning show. I think he and what he's doing, especially in the back half of this show, is really fascinating because he is playing this suave and deceptively charming but dangerous asshole and rapist. And um, I, I, I just think that it's actually kind of wild that at, at this point in his career, that is what he's cho- choosing to do. He's, he's actually challenging himself. Mm-hmm. He's not just being Tom Hanks on TV. He's he was never a bad guy before this movie and or before the show. And now he is a bad guy. And I think that that leap in his career, I think, is really cool. And I would not hate if he was nominated or I mean, if he won because of that. Yeah. I mean, I know he he did do a couple movies where he sort of started to transition to being yeah. more of a bad guy. He did that like Fox Catcher or whatever, like wrestling movie. And yeah. then the, the Way Way Back, he's kind of like mean stepdad vibes, I think. But but yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that, that that this is outside of how the public sees him in his wheelhouse. And The Morning Show is an interesting show because it's meta-commenting on society like right now, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, media has to, you know, wait a few years at least before <laughs> there's commentary. But this is kind of, The Morning Show is kind of about like literally the present. And so, you know, it deals a lot with the Me Too movement, which of course was a few years ago, but it does feel like it's addressing subject matter as it happens. And, and you know, that is, I agree, it, it is pretty ballsy. Um, and, you know, not just for Steve Carell, but also for, you know, just for everyone involved. And, and I think that especially for people who make TV to engage in this kind of commentary on TV is, mm-hmm. is an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's a really fascinating show. Um, I guess we should also say that we haven't seen Pose but um, Billy Porter did win last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I very seriously doubt that he'll win for a second time, but that could happen. Same with Jason Bateman. Ozark is popular despite what we may think. During quarantine, we live in an echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> and it's us saying to each other that we don't think that Ozark is good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, Jason Bateman could snipe the Succession Boys too, so... Who knows? And of course, never bet against Sterling K. Brown. So honestly, this this is a, a toss up, this best actor in a drama series. Uh, snubs, Dana, I'm sure you already know. I'm sure you're going to say Bob Odenkirk. Where is my boy? Bo- yeah. Little Women's Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> Where is he? This is insane to not nominate Bob. Like, I don't want to waste all my gas on my anger yet because yeah. I have more to go. Yep. But just how how do you not nominate him? And I and I just think it's just not doing a thorough job of people watching TV. And I'm putting in all of these hours watching all of his TV. And so we I watched fucking Westworld. Yeah. So I know that Bob Odenkirk should be up here. And it's you know, he, it's so good. I, I just I don't even have any like I don't want to make a case to no one. But it's like how do you not have Bob Bob Odenkirk on this list? Yeah, the one thing I'll say is that Bob Odenkirk does take a bit of a um, side role for part of this season. And I would be more forgiving of Bob Odenkirk not being nominated if the person who 
kind of took the lead role for part of this season was nominated. Yeah. But I do not want to step on Dana's shoes here because this is going to be a very passionate thing that we will be talking about in a moment. So let's go ahead with that and move on to Best Actress in a Drama Series. We've got Jennifer Aniston for The Morning Show. We've got Olivia Colman for The Crown, Jodie Comer for Killing Eve, Laura Linney for Ozark, Sandra Oh for Killing Eve, and Zendaya for Euphoria. So as we've said before, we've seen The Morning Show. I have seen The Crown. Neither of us has seen season three of Killing Eve or season three of Ozark. And we attempted to watch Euphoria, but tapped out after an episode. So with that, Dana, what's your prediction for Best Actress in the Drama Series? My prediction is Olivia Coleman. Again, I have not seen The Crown, but yep. I do know that the public, as they should, and people who vote for these things love Olivia Coleman. Rightfully so. It just feels to me like a role that would, of course, win, especially, you know, considering this race. Not that, you know, not that it's a bad race or anything um, of the people who are nominated. Um, but, you know, Jennifer Aniston is good in the morning show. And it does feel like you mentioned earlier that it was like teeing her up for an Emmy, <laughs> um, especially for her to just sort of come back to TV Um you know, to do a series like this, it feels that way. But, I, you know, I don't I don't need that for her. Um, and I mean, yeah, it'd be cool if Zendaya won. But I mean, I, I'm not caught up on Euphoria and I, I probably won't be. But I, I don't see that happening. But I am surprised she got nominated. So, you know, maybe maybe there's more to Euphoria than than you or I understand. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, there are specific episodes in Euphoria where Zendaya is crushing it. And I wouldn't mind like going and seeing like the clips of that or whatever. But that show is just very intense and not something that I want to um, subject myself in these trying times. I also have predicted Olivia Coleman. I don't really think there's anything to say about Olivia Coleman that hasn't already been said by you or by literally anybody that's ever seen anything that Olivia Coleman has done. It's kind of cheating to put her in your show. She's just good, um, even in a way that like she's like I almost said gooder. She's better than <laughs> like Mahershala Ali is in things, and that's saying something. Like she is just incredible. Water is wet, so give her all the awards. Um, I'm gonna echo what you said with Jen Ann. I think that she's very good in it, and she feels very comfortable back on TV in a way that she was never comfortable in movies, in my opinion. Like she never found out what her role in movies was other yeah. than like Adam being Sandler's a, wife. Yeah. Like a shitty rom-com. Um, but I think the thing with Jennifer Aniston is that she is the son that the show orbits around mm -hmm. where she's not super interesting. The performances around her are interesting and you can't have that show without being anchored by somebody as like prodigious as Jennifer Aniston, but all the other performances, the Billy Crudup's, even the like Reese Witherspoons, yeah. those are more interesting than Jennifer Aniston. It's so. funny that you say that because she does play an anchor on the show. And I do think oh. that what you were saying, no, but I, in, a, in a real <laughs> way, I do think that what you're saying about the morning show, the TV show we're talking about is true because it's also true of the morning show, which is the name of the show they're on on the morning show. Yeah. Where, you know, she is the talent and you you get these glimpses into all that goes into the creation of this show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what's your personal favorite? I'm assuming it's not Olivia Coleman. Uh, that's my personal favorite, but. So 
I could not in good conscience bring myself to pick any of these nominees <laughs> because I know what is true in my heart oh, no. and in God's heart, which is that the best actress in a drama series of shows that aired in 2019 is Ray Seahorn. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to snubs, I guess. Um this isn't snub. even, I didn't even put this in my snub notes. I put this in my personal favorite note. <laughs> but Ray Seahorn plays a character named Kim Wexler on the show Better Call Saul. And she has been amazing throughout the whole run of the show, of course. But she was given more to do this season than ever before. And she had a lot to do in past seasons. She is a main character. She is a lead of this show. And her character is so dynamic. I feel like a lot of shows that mainly star men, which is most dramas, will mm -hmm. do this thing where, you know, there are these fallible men, but then there's like one woman who they have there who they make the smart good one to sort of like make up for this exchange of like lack of representation, where they're like, it's okay that it's all men because we made this woman really smart or competent or whatever, and she's always right. I felt that when we watched Perry Mason recently, they did that with Della Street. And I think mm -hmm. that that was a good example of what I'm talking about. But this character is that she's really smart and definitely competent, but she's not just there to be like, look at the good, like, gentlewoman who's, like, playing a foil to the, like, the dangerous man. It's like, she, like, has so much going on inside of her that you feel like Ray Seahorn is playing a person who we have, like, a definitive, like, brain chemistry map of where there are, like, you mm -hmm. see wheels turning in her eyes. And it's it's always surprising and it's so good. And when the nominations came out, I was like, it wasn't even a consideration for me was she going to be nominated. I was just like, oh, God, I hope she wins. She This has got to be the year that she wins. And so when I saw she wasn't nominated, it ruined my day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't love the term snub in general. I think like people overuse the term snub mm -hmm. because to me, a snub is one where... Okay, so I guess there's two things that I want to say about snubs. First is that snubs seems to indicate that like the academy as a whole is like one unit that has collectively decided to screw one person over that was rightfully supposed to be in something. And that's just not how it works, right? I mean, there is some like smoozing and things like that. And there's some nepotism and all of that stuff. And you vote for your favorite person or your personal friend or whatever but largely these are individual people voting for there's individual votes for an individual person in the academy so i do think that like snubs is a little bit flawed that way and then also snubs implies that like one performance is like objectively better than one of the ones that is nominated in place of it mm -hmm. um that being said ray seahorn was snubbed like i completely agree with everything you said i don't understand and i i want to be clear that i understand that film and television is subjective and blah 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 but like how do you watch how as an educated viewer <laughs> do you watch what she well, does they didn't in watch that's literally yeah. the only explanation yeah it's it it is very clearly a snub like not a lot of things are snubs i think we talked about a lot of things like even like jonathan banks and tony Tony Dalton, those were all good performances. I don't think they're really snubs because like they're pretty minor roles and and everything like this. But Ray Seahorn is full front and center in this show. It's absurd that she's not nominated. So Yeah, and I, I truly think that she's a character unlike anyone 
I've seen. Like, it's not formulaic at all. Like, it is such an original yeah. concept of a person. Like, there's just, it's, so it's not even something like that where it's like, oh, well, you know, we, we see this, like, strong woman. It's not like that. Like, it's not like, oh, she's unprecedentedly feminist or something like that where it's like, oh, yeah, like, we, you know, this is, like, this character we've seen before. It's It's something different, and it should be recognized. Yeah, yeah, it's super frustrating. I guess the one silver lining that I'll say is that there is one more season of Better Call Saul. Um, so maybe maybe they get nominated as like a send-off because that show has been the best thing on TV for years. So yeah. um, who knows? I do have, I don't care about this nearly as much, but I do have one other, based on the definition that you just gave, I wouldn't say snub, but an interesting thing that I noticed is that Reese Witherspoon didn't get nominated for Big Little Eyes, Morning Show, or Little Fires, which feels weird that she had so <laughs> many chances to be a Best Actress nom, and she did not get any of them. Aww. And I mean, I, I like Reese, so I'm not. I'm not saying like, oh, I don't care. Like, I do like her. I'm not. I'm not indignant about her lack of nomination in the way I am about my friend Reyes. But doesn't that seem weird to you? Yeah, it does. I think maybe that's because Reese Witherspoon lately has been like transitioning less into like the limelight of the show and more into like the production side of the show and she's yeah very often ex- an executive producer she has her own company that is producing um shows and movies about things that she finds very important so maybe it's just one of those like she's not pushing as hard to be nominated so yeah you know but yeah no i i, I completely agree and uh, and the other thing, too, is that, like, if you have to pick Jennifer Aniston or Reese Witherspoon, you're going to pick Jennifer Aniston yep. because this is the, her return to TV. If you're going to pick Kerry Washington or Reese Witherspoon, you're going to pick Kerry Washington. It's She's the more interesting performance, even from the two episodes that we saw. And if you're going to pick Reese Witherspoon over any of the other women in Big Little Lies, she's, like, definitely not the first. You've got Nicole Kidman, who is, like, a knockout. And mm-hmm. season two more than anything is her season. So mm-hmm. like it makes sense, but it is kind of bizarre that she went zero for three. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, best drama series. Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. So Dana, what's your prediction for best drama series? So so these are kind of my prediction and my favorite are a little bit inextricably tied up in each other because mm-hmm. ultimately, basically, I when I was thinking about my favorite, I was deciding between two shows. And it's no secret to you that those shows were Succession and Better Call Saul. Yep. And because I ended up predicting Succession, partially, I think, to set myself up to not be really disappointed again, I'm just picking who I want to win a Succession because I just know that it can't be Better Call Saul and I will be (laughs) happy if Succession wins. And this isn't to knock how much I love Succession by comparing it to Better Call Saul, but, you know, I just, for whatever reason, this is where I landed, but even though it could have been either show... Um, and, you know, I started watching Succession when season two had just started airing. And so I, I caught up really quickly because I watched it. And, you know, the first few episodes aren't as good, but, you know, I was still hooked pretty quickly. But then season two, I remember this feeling that I got when I was watching. It's like early season two when I was watching the dinner scene that leads up to Bora on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I remember this feeling come over me where I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be one of my favorite and one of the best TV shows of all time. Like I was, it was just Brian Cox being this horrific 
figure. It felt, it feels so much like a movie. Like every episode feels like it could be a movie. And I just can't believe we get to have so much of it that like, I feel so lucky that we get to have this show and I just can't wait for more of it. I just, I get so excited about watching these characters just interact with each other. Like I would watch them do anything, like regardless of what's happening in the plot. I just love watching them talk to each other or even just be alone. It's so dark, but it's also so funny. It's a drama, yeah. <laughs> but like it sh- it could win comedic awards. Like it's hilarious. And it's it's some of the funniest TV I think I've ever seen. And it's it because it's great satire. And it is very of this moment. You know, it's commenting on more like a few years ago and it does a lot of commentary on, you know, like Murdoch family, like Fox Empire, Disney things, like all, mm-hmm. all sorts of media things that we do see. But that's it doesn't make that overly heavy handed in its in its satire. And I think that mm-hmm. that's part of why it works so well. Yeah, it's it's really hard to think of a show with a stronger second season than Succession. And for that exact reason, uh, it's my prediction and it's also my personal favorite. And I know we did just go on a huge diatribe about how Better Call Saul is the best show on television (laughs) right now. Um, But I think, and I I don't know why, this is no knock on Succession or anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if the second season of Succession is the best season of Succession. And not that season three is going to be bad or anything like that, but the second season is that good. And I could imagine a world where they run out of things to do with that show. Whereas I think Better Call Saul, the best season will be the last season. Mm -hmm. Like I don't see a scenario where they conclude that show. And I think that was disappointing. So for that reason, with Foresight, I'm going to say my personal favorite for this year is Succession. Mm -hmm. And then next year, I'm just confident that it's going to be Better Call Saul. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that speaks to the trust that we have in Vince Gilligan as a creator is like the opposite of how I feel about the newest Star Wars trilogy where they were like started with no plan. And so by the third movie, you're like, wait, this is bad because you didn't do any of the things that you set yourself up to do. Like Better Call Saul, we just know is going to be the opposite. You know that everything that is going to happen has been worked towards and has been layered in and it has been hinted at since the beginning. And I think that I, I I agree with that. And I do think that, you know, I, I if I put season two of Better Call Saul up against season two of Succession, yeah, I wonder where I would come down because I don't remember how I feel about that specific season. And it, it I feel really lucky again to be able to compare these two shows and know that they're both on right now. And I'm, I'm sad that, you know, things aren't really able to come out right now because I just feel like you know, everything would be so much better if we could have <laughs> new episodes of these these shows right now. Um, but yeah, I think that Succession, I wouldn't be surprised if it has a little bit less direction than Better Call Saul. So I see what you mean. Yeah. I think it's funny that you found a way to make a TV conversation um, a chance for you to drag Star Wars. <laughs> That's always good. Um, but speaking of Star Wars, The Mandalorian is nominated here. Yeah, That's very surprising to me. Me as well. Um, have you seen The Mandalorian? Yeah. Okay. I, I, for some reason, I, I didn't know that. Saying to me, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> um, I think it's actually, it's a very good show. Um, yeah. I'm not upset that it's nominated, and I, I think that show really has no business being as good as it is. By all accounts, it should be IP nostalgia bait bullshit. Like it should be a really bad show, but like they managed to 
make just a really well put together show that somehow has the scope of a Star Wars movie, but feels also like a live action Saturday morning cartoon. And I mean, come on, Baby Yoda. So I, I just think that that's, that's important to like acknowledge. And I'm glad that the Emmys didn't write it off as like, yeah. oh, it's just that Disney Plus show. More confused why Stranger Things is nominated. Don't really understand that one. I mean, it, it has been nominated all three seasons. And I think it's a, it's, it's a very good show in the grand scheme of things. But it is surprising to see that here. I know you haven't seen Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, it is also almost like, why bother? Like, it, it just can't win. Um but I do agree with what you said about The Mandalorian, even though that's also true of The Mandalorian. Of course, it can't win, although it'd be kind of hilarious if yeah, it did. I, I wouldn't, I don't think it's going to win, but I could see a scenario where it does. Really? So many this people year? saw it. I, I, over Succession? I would be shocked, but I'm just saying that like, if Succession wasn't going to win, The Crown, I guess, would win. But if those two didn't win, I, I could see a world where people are like, oh yeah, Mandalorian, I watched that. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. So I'm a I'm a big I'm a big Star Wars fan, but I but I never really engaged with the TV shows. Like I, you know, I, I I've seen the movies a ton of times, and you know, I had all the toys growing up, had some lightsabers, and but you know, I because I didn't watch the shows. I, when I found out about the Mandalorian, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, probably won't watch it. And, you know, even in the first kind of wave of Baby Yoda memes, I was obviously like, <laughs> that's fucking adorable, but I'm not gonna watch the show. And then ultimately, I just, I don't I don't even remember the thought process, but I started watching it, and I was so pleasantly surprised by how good it is. Of course, Baby Yoda um, <laughs> is a huge part of that, but but yeah, it just is surprisingly just it's a good drama, and mm-hmm. it's like a serious show. And I feel like someone who you could not watch any Star Wars, and you could watch this show just as an independent product, yeah. and it works. Yeah, completely agree. So I mean, that's great. Um, the other thing to mention here, just really quickly, I know we're like way over the usual hour, but there's a lot to talk about here. Um, both, um, Apple TV plus and Disney plus in their first years have a show here. Oh wait, the morning show is not nominated for best drama. Oh yeah. I didn't, I guess I didn't really realize that. That is really weird. Wow. Okay. Scratch that. I mean, this is even more surprising than that the Mandalorian is nominated and stranger things yeah um wow yeah well i mean i i was gonna say that like it's impressive that both apple tv plus and disney plus in their first year of iteration have such a strong showing at these emmys but i mean i guess yeah i mean mean, and every year i feel like there's increasingly a conversation about the dynamics of how the emmys are changing with streaming platforms taking over and premium channels taking over and it is interesting, you know, that that conversation is definitely going to continue this year with the addition of things from Disney Plus being there for the first time, because it is, you know, increasingly you see less and less like a network show or, you know, a basic, you know, standard cable show getting in there when there are all these, you know, HBO shows and Netflix shows um, taking up space. No shows from Quibi, though. Sad. It's a snub. No, I'm just kidding. Do you have any snubs, though? Um, I, I didn't. Um. I, yeah, I mean, I would say the morning show is a snub for me. I didn't realize that until just now. Yeah, but. I didn't either. I, I'm okay with it because I definitely wouldn't say that the morning show should even be in the top, you know, four maybe of things that should win. But yeah, it definitely, I can, I definitely think it's justifiable for it to be up here with these other contenders, but I'm not too upset about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll just close out by giving my little 
thoughts on The Crown, which um, if Better Call Saul is the best show on TV, The Crown is the best made television show of all time. It is stupidly cinematic how much they're able to do in a single episode of that show. It is breathtakingly gorgeous. And the way that the story is told episodically, where it's just like, you know, there's an overall season arc, but they just pick an episode and they're like, this is the season where we learn about Prince Charles having to become the Prince of Wales and learning the 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 Walish, I don't, I don't know. Is it Welsh? Welsh, Welsh accent. <laughs> um, and like, just, it, it makes every episode like a treat. And it is just each episode feels like a $150 or $150 million, um, like British export. It's, it's, it's a, an amazing show and, um, I can't wait for you to watch it. So I really can't recommend that enough. And I think if succession doesn't win, I wouldn't be surprised if the crown did. Although I believe that the crown won for its first season um, when Game of Thrones was taking its sweet-ass time with that awful last (laughs) season. All right, so I think with that, uh, this has been our episode on our predictions for the 2020 Emmys. So definitely let us know who you think will win and why we are both completely wrong about what we predicted. Um, In the meantime, Dana, thank you so much for joining me for the first time. You're welcome. Was it everything that you could imagine and more? It was. This has been really fun. I've been looking forward to it for a long time, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, I would love to have you back. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug here? Um, Sure. If you have a movie podcast and you have been searching endlessly for a young woman with a BA in philosophy to come on and talk about the 2004 film National Treasure. Oh, wow. Please DM Mati and get in touch with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think 50% of anything that Dana says can be traced directly back to um, either School of Rock or National Treasure. So if you're also trying to do a uh, podcast on underrated Richard Linklater gems, then Come through. hit me up as well. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie dash marathoners. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, Himalaya, and CastBox. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time when I am joined by the duo behind the Bingeables podcast, Chinlin and Isaac, to discuss the Amazon show, The Boys currently in its second season. So stay tuned for that. Until then, bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture, 
Com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com.